Pop-Tarts! I'm Emily Rems. And I'm Callie Watts. We're both editors at Bust Magazine in Brooklyn, New York. But today we are recording in the Lower East Side from our new stude. <laughs> and our guest today, we're very excited to welcome author Kristen Soleil. So stoked to be here. L.A.K.A. Uh, Kristen Corvette. Yes, that's my sluttest name. <laughs> Right, you're so you are the woman behind the amazing website Sluttist, and you're here to talk about your new book, Witches, Sluts, Feminists, Conjuring the Sex Positive. Hell yeah. <laughs> if ever there was a Venn diagram to get in the center of <laughs> yes, yeah. it is witches, sluts, and feminists. It's it's a topic that sells itself. If you had put weed on there, I would have been like spirit <laughs> animal. <laughs> I feel like the the weed is implied. Oh, when it's you're in talking there. about it's in there. witches, sluts, and feminists. Are they still feminists if they're licking Satan's butt? Martha Stewart said the N word. The goddess showed me the way. We're like, nom, 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 nom. You know what the show really needs? <laughs> the topics that you cover in your book are wide ranging. So for the purposes of our podcast today, we're going to be focusing mainly on witches, sluts, and feminists in pop culture, which you do a great job of covering in the book. Why, thank you. I think it's one of the most juicy subjects near and dear to my heart, so it's good we're not going to focus on dry history in the moment. <laughs> oh, I did love the dry history. Oh, good. I'm glad. I, I think it's still all, spicy. All the stuff about the famous femi uh, feminists being like... Um, Spiritualists, yeah, and that they had a seance table, at right? Like the Declaration of Sentiments was written on a board used for seances or a table. Sorry, <laughs> my mind was blown. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> when it comes to witches slash sluts slash feminists in pop culture, my question always is: When witches are being slutty in pop culture, does it? sort of truncate the feminism depending on whether they're concubines of Satan as they often are in pop culture. <laughs> like, are they still feminists if they're licking Satan's butt? Yeah, I think that's a really important question uh -huh. that I grapple with personally. Um, no, but I think that ties into The Witch, the film The Witch, because yes. mm -hmm. I feel like a lot of folks were saying it was so feminist and powerful, but then some other witch-identified folks were saying, okay, but she's still capitulating to this patriarchal, satanic figure. Right. If Black Philip is Satan, there's this seemingly male voice, what's up with that? But... Maybe it's just an energy, and it's not this man figure, you know? Uh -huh. I, I think maybe that's like the primal masculine, and then there's the primal feminine, and then it all mixes together in a way that it doesn't have to be laid out in this hierarchical way. But I think in history, yeah, there's definitely some problematic aspects to witches being under the thumb of Satan or at his behest or whatever. If Satan is some sort of man. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I was thinking about uh, Witches of Eastwick, oh, which you it. mentioned in your book, and how there's this sense where 
at first they're fighting over Satan and then they're sort of in, as you say, like a, a quad, a love quad. Yeah, with <laughs> totally poly witches. <laughs> and then after, ultimately, they sort of overcome his grasp on them together. Yeah, I think in the end, female friendship and community is bigger than any dude. So I, that's why it is one of my favorites because it is very witchy and slutty and feminist. I uh-huh. think so. We talked about it on the last podcast because what he turned. Do you remember what he turns into? That weird bulb, that like garlic looking bulb. <laughs> yeah. It reminds me of the thing from Twin Peaks. Oh yeah, right. Yeah. <laughs> Such a weird thing. But I thought it was also really interesting when you talked about the craft and how everyone considers that like this like fr- female friendship movie. But you're like, nah, nah, it really wasn't to the core about. Friendship. You're going to kill yourself tonight, my dear. No, I'm not. <laughs> Surprise. <laughs> oh, really? Look in your eyes tells me you might not be so sure. After all, you have every reason in the world to do it. No, I got to hand it to um, uh, our, one of my friends and be- uh, brilliant uh, co-creators, um, uh, Morgan Claire Serain. She wrote this piece for Sluttist about the craft and how problematic it is. And that really got me thinking because I hadn't watched it in years. So she really inspired that r- line of thought because, you know, if you don't watch it regularly, you don't really remember these things. Because if yeah. you watch it as like a young person, you don't get it. But when I watch, show it to my students in my class, they're horrified. Because it's about how teen girls can't handle their own power. Right. Yeah. Right. And there's just like awful racism and just backstabbing yeah. and slut shaming. And it's not really that pretty. Like, I don't know why the, we thought it was so empowering when we were kids. And but, then the girl ends up in the mental Outfitters hospital. made a lot of money. They did. Yeah. <laughs> oh, but you mentioned your class. Um, do you want to talk about what you teach? Sure. Um, it's called Legacy of the Witch. And it'll be the third year this fall that I'm teaching it. At, at the new school? Yes, at the new school. Um and it's really a feminist history of the witch or an introduction to feminism through the witch because it's a first year class. So they're all 18, fresh to uh, New York City. Some of them live here, I guess. But so it's a very introductory um, course that delves into a lot of things that are in the book. And that's one of the reasons I wrote it because I wanted this place to combine all these, you know, disparate um, angles on this subject. So it's, it's, it's a, great course i include a lot of media and pop culture because that's the best way to talk about serious stuff (laughs) right well i went to your festival i didn't make it this year but i went the year before and there was a film fest that went with it and that was the like there was like a lecture festival right the, was it you just... the first year there was a lecture. Yeah. yeah, 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 yeah. And your festival is called Legacy of the Witch, yeah, is that same right? Name. Yeah, actually the festival came first and then the class came after. And it's like a multimedia celebration of feminist witch sexery. Yes, that is <laughs> that is exactly what it is. Um, very much sexery. Um, <laughs> like there's burlesque and readings and bands and tarot readings and rituals and um, local folks selling their witchy wares and things I would like that. go back to college just to take this class. <laughs> I know. I kind of wanted to, you know, have taken a class like that. So that's why I proposed it. And thankfully, they're wacky enough to let me do it. Has yeah. there oh, been awesome. any backlash from mm-hmm. the more Christian community? No, but some of the kids will say, when I went home for break, I told my mom or uncle or so-and-so what I'm taking. And they were like, what are you possibly learning that's productive in this class, you know? Or, like, how can this relate to getting a job? Okay, as uh. if everything you learn in college about getting a job. I mean, well, you got a job doing I, that. So I guess so. <laughs> <laughs> that's true, I guess. 
when I was thinking about talking to you in the context of feminist slut witches in pop culture, my very, very favorite uh, came to mind immediately. And Callie will not be surprised when I say this, but my very favorite show of all time ever in TV ever (laughs) is Dark Shadows. Oh, yes. The 1960s soap opera. And the, the character of Angelique Bouchard in Dark Shadows is, and I thought it was pretty groundbreaking considering it was the 60s. She was a feminist, totally self-motivated. She was a slut who used her sexuality, like not only to control people and got, get what she wanted, but literally just for her own gratification and enjoyment. Like the show is built around this uh, vampire, Barnabas Collins, and he cannot step to her. She, <laughs> she was his ex-wife. And he was terrified of her, and rightly so. She was the most powerful witch in the 17th, 18th, 19th, and 20th centuries. And he spent a lot of that time locked in a crypt while she spent it. She's just hanging out, fucking around. Well, she was sort of, she kind of had to be summoned into the future from the past. But, <laughs> the past. <laughs> but she, like, raged in every century and was the best. I am not dead yet. And while I can still breathe, I will have my revenge. I set a curse on you, Barnabas Collins. Are you familiar with her? How does she stack up with your favorites? Well, when I was thinking about all my favorites to come on here, the funny thing is, is I'm so enamored with The Love Witch that it's like such a recent one, you know, that... It that kind of trumps so a lot of my beautiful. old favorites because I think it, it brings up so many important complex issues that not all witchy, slutty feminist films do in a certain way, you know? Yeah. Like, and for those not familiar, it's like an art film from last year, correct? Yes, yes. And really delves into, you know, the um, trials and tribulations of using sex magic and not necessarily getting what you want out of it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And um, uh, living under patriarchy and sort of women's uh, romantic um, expectations and what we're trained to want and how we work against that or with it and then throwing in this whole like sex positive and sometimes not so sex positive pagan community remember that creepy guy I yeah that was an <laughs> interesting moment but um yeah there's so many I mean I Elvira Elvira classic forever, forever. Hello, darling. It's me, Elvira, Mistress of the Dark, the sassy lassie with the classy chassis. Like, I was just in L.A. on the book tour, and I was wearing an Elvira shirt, and everybody, of course, in L.A., like, has a story about Cassandra Peterson, and I loved that, you know? Like, I went into one of my favorite occult shops, Spellbound Sky, and they are like, oh, Elvira, you like her? Check out the bathroom. And it's a full Elvira, like, themed bathroom. Oh, my God. Yeah. That's amazing. Like, even the TSA guy was like, oh, yeah, I used to go to her show at Knott's Berry Farm all the time, you know? (laughs) Like, she was in Bust Magazine years ago, and I was so gratified to, to learn that Cassandra Peterson is such a feminist. Yeah. Like, you would assume so, but you don't... Don't no, know until you ask. Yeah, you definitely don't know, and that's what I love about Elvira's humor. It's like self-deprecating but empowering, and so slutty, and just those boobs. Those I mean. boobs are <laughs> orbs, just amazing. They orbs. really are <laughs> hypnotics. Another actor who is really sort of carved out a feminist sex witch persona for herself is Eva Green. She. When they made the uh, 
film version of Dark Shadows, which was basically trash with Johnny Depp. She played Angelique yeah. Bouchard in that. And then, like, her next big role was as Vanessa Ives in Penny Dreadful. Oh, yes. Who's another yes. feminist sexy witch. There are tremors around us. Some might be more attuned to them than others. What do those people do? Yes. I have not. I watched one episode, but I really need to get into this Penny Dreadful world. It's really good, and she's an excellent, in my opinion, she's an excellent example of that perfect Venn diagram. One other thing that um, Callie and I mentioned in a previous episode is that we both really, really love uh, Barbara Steele, oh. who you mentioned in your book. Yeah, it's um, Barbara Black, Steele. She's in Black Sunday. Among She she is just a, a witch in a million different things. Oh, yeah. And in the name of Satan, I place a curse upon you. Go ahead. Tie me down to the stake, but you will never escape my hunger, nor that of Satan. Callie and I just so our listeners know, in a previous episode, we were talking about our love for Barbara Steele, and we were like, we need to do something in the magazine about Barbara Steele. We love her. And then we were, and then Callie, I believe, came up with the brilliant idea. She was like, let's do a Barbara Steele fashion story in Bust Magazine. And we were like, you guys ever see a Barbara Steele fashion story in Bust Magazine? You'll know why. And it's being produced it's right happening. now. It's totally so happening for the October-November spooky yes. Halloween issue. Barbara Steele fashion story coming at you once we find the perfect Barbara Steele model. I can't wait to see that. <laughs> I know. I love those those old, the slow, creepy, like, 50s, 60s witchy yeah. movies. They're just, like, mesmerizing. And Black Sunday is so fun because she plays, like, She's the both. good and the evil character. It's, like, so obvious what they're trying to show you about, the you know, femininity or the, you know, archetypes of the good and the bad, you know? Um, yeah, I love that film so much. Yeah, I like the way that they, that she has the duality where you know that she's the same, but you also know that she's different. But that it reminded me of another part of your book where you talk about Bewitched mm-hmm. and how it's Samantha in Bewitched. Yeah. She has all these powers and her first she doesn't she's hiding them. She doesn't want her man to know. And then once she comes clean about having powers. He's like, could you please not use your powers? Can you please just be a normal, quote unquote, normal woman? Because, and it was like totally accepted that that would be the conceit of the show that like a woman with immense powers should sublimate all of them because her husband feels threatened by them. How do you feel? (sighs) Or how would you feel if you suddenly and mysteriously lost your powers? Well... I'd feel wonderful. You don't have any powers. He means he'd feel wonderful if I didn't either. Correct. But the mom was so good on Oh, that. and Dora. And Dora. And those Dora. Ever. Those, like, emerald caftans. Yes, like, I live for a caftan. Yeah. So. Yeah. yeah, you do. I've seen you in a caftan. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I actually used the first episode of Bewitched in my class with um, reading The Feminine Mystique. Mm. So, because oh. it's the same era of, you know, the problem that has no name and the, the sort of the housewives burning to get out of their, um, or at least the middle class white housewives burning to get out of their predicaments um, and under out of under the thumbs of their husbands. So we use that to talk about sort of the early 60s um, feminism and the beginnings of that. So it's kind of a fun uh, intersection there because that, that is first awesome. episode is so funny where she's really trying not to use her magic and then 
you know, there's this uh, rival, her husband's old um, flame or something, and she can't help but just, like, mess the woman's hair up and get, <laughs> yeah. like, you know, food on her face. And, like, it's pretty great. <laughs> but when you look at the at the evolution of slutty feminist witches mm. in pop culture, there's sort of a sense of they they're being cautionary tales and the terms witch and feminist and slut being used as derogatory terms by men against women telling women you don't want to grow up to be a feminist or a slut or a witch because everyone will hate you and you'll never get married and you'll never have kids and people will throw things at you yeah, <laughs> yeah. and burn you yeah and shun you um and somehow we've gotten to this point where feminist slutty witchery in pop culture is catnip for women yeah like i feel like when a project has all three it is being made for me often by a woman like me or with similar ideals yeah how did we get from point a to point b what had to happen for it to stop scaring us and start turning us on whoa that's a great question I feel like it still scares us a little, and that's why it turns us on. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. But we've gone from maybe the bewitched era of hiding a little bit and being out in plain sight now. But I think it only works as well as it does be- is because we still have so many restrictions on bodily autonomy and our ability to be sexual and yeah. you know live in this world under a awful man in office and his cronies, you know? (laughs) So I feel like that's why it's even more powerful. I I don't know if it would still retain its power if there was, if we're like in Scandinavia or something and things are a lot more equal. I don't know. (laughs) Yeah. It was interesting in the back of the book where you have quotes Mm -hmm. from like when you did the survey, what people think about witches. And I was like, well, we have some people still have such a like archaic Yeah. Even young women. Yeah. That was insane. I was like, really? Really? You don't realize that they were actual people? <laughs> I know, because I think we also, I'm not, I'm not going to assume too much, but I'm guessing we all kind of live in a world where feminist slutty witchery is like the norm and it's not like a big deal, it's NBD, whatever. But I think a lot of people still, you know, these are still hot button, scary issues, especially if you live in a Christian sort of patriarchal part of the country or community, right? Yeah, I mean, there are definitely people that still side eye, like, I'm getting married. We're doing a hand fasting. So it's like, they're like, oh, you're having a second wedding. And I was like, that's what us witches do, man. It's like a hand fasting. And then she was like, what? And I was like, oh, I'm a witch. And then she's just like, I could tell she was like, I'm going to change the the conversation. Yeah. And I was like, you're going to have to get used to it. Yeah. (laughs) So, Kelly, you self-identify as a witch. Mm -hmm. Do you, Kristen, self-identify as a witch or a witch enthusiast or both? As a witch and a witch enthusiast, yeah. I think it it like being a writer or an artist or something, it took me a while to be able to say it out loud. Yeah. Because I also feel like there's so much to learn in my practice and life that, you know, but I mean, come on. Yeah, I'm, I'm yeah, that, I'm out there. My mom's uh-huh. a witch. Uh, she's just starting to use that word. She never used that word. She's always just been like, I'm an intuitive, you know. Yeah. But now with this book and the things I'm doing and she's seeing these younger women, she's like, oh, maybe okay you know (laughs) I feel like that's also part of the thing is because there's so many different things you can focus on when you're studying witchcraft yeah you dabble in one thing you go you learn about another so you never feel like you know enough to be like that's what I mean like if you ask me what certain one crystal means and I don't know I'm like oh shit you know my witchcraft is I gotta hide my wand now I don't have it together (laughs) exactly yeah so but in the past, as they say in Dark Shadows, you know, like <laughs> that's why you always 
do that. I was wondering it's why because of dark shadows. They're always coming. They're always coming back from the past. <laughs> I just thought that. I didn't know what it was, but I knew it was funny. Yeah, it's from dark shads, but like <laughs> dark shads. But in the literal past, not not the dark shadows past. Like a witch was a woman who was old and didn't have a husband and had land that you wanted. So (laughs) these days, like what is your personal criteria? And I understand that it, it varies from person to person, but I feel, you know, I feel like in, I'm walking around in the world saying I'm Jewish because that's how I was born and that's the family that I'm in. Mm. But you guys are (laughs) obviously on a very different journey. Um, So what is it in your lives? Like besides being, women with property that made you that what was the tipping point that made you say yes I am a witch Hmm. I just think it's like the understanding that of the importance of nature and the appreciation of nature and that everything whatever something signifies to you is what that signifies so it's also like if somebody says that's not what that stone means it's like that's what that stone means to me yeah absolutely your own intentions and perceptions i mean even like the placebo effect quote unquote for people that are just like pure positivist science folks that works just as powerfully yeah you know so i i totally feel you on that because i was never religious before but i was like oh this is like a way for me to like focus on something that i want and i'd like to be like hands-on because i'm like a crafter suit i like making things so i'm like well this way i can focus on what i want smell awesome shit play with de- dead things and plants and stuff and still like try to meditate through my problem. Absolutely. And there's a whole language of symbols you can use for identity formation and dealing with the world around you and all that. Um, I feel like I came to it. I had a really intense bout with chronic illness in my like, like when I was like 27, 28 and I was bedridden and, and I had to really go within a lot because I really couldn't even walk around that much. And that's when I really had to go in there deep into the forest of my mind and then I feel like that's where my real interest in the deeper realms of healing and not thinking nature is something you just like use yeah (laughs) came from so that's even a little later I did go to a lot of witch shops in my early 20s and whatever and did like stupid love spells you know that were just the worst idea ever that yeah we learn early on the concept is like you shouldn't ask for specifics. Right. We don't Never ask for specifics. Especially specific people. Yeah, because <laughs> you may not know, that may not be what you need. And you don't no. want to, like, bring something to you when something else that's blocking something that's supposed to be there. Absolutely. So, yeah, I definitely did that. But I think it really took that sort of hardship to go deep in that in that realm. So I'm grateful for that in a way. Yeah. I love witches. <laughs> <laughs> One time we wrote this article. This was, like, way back in the old office about teen witches and we got the cutest piece of uh, fan mail that just said I love witches so I love thank reading you so about much witches. for writing about witches I love reading about witches I love everything about witches I love witches that's so cute <laughs> yeah, I know we had it hanging up on the cabinet for forever yeah I mean other than all the personal stuff like who doesn't just love witches and in, in pop culture and ever since I was a little kid like I start the book out with Maleficent like yeah hello, I love the most powerful sexy slutty bad bitch and then we have the new Maleficent to sort of like humanize her and then you can feel a little better about yourself like mm-hmm. loving her as an icon yeah otherwise you're just like really I'm just petty because I don't get invited to parties so I want to kill people for that I mean you know <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but when the ideas of witches first started being disseminated in literature like middle ages styly yep um you've written about how how ideas were spread about witches being this 
embodiment of the monstrous feminine. Like they will remove your cock. Yep. Keep it in a box. And oh, keep I it love in a box. box. I love it. <laughs> like a cage and they just, yep. Cut off dicks are just crawling over yep. each other. They're, they're eating corn and oats. Do yep. you think that besides being fun and enticing, um, that modern day pop culture representatives, representations of sexy feminist witches are still somehow monstrous in our culture and how has that monstrous feminine changed or has it changed at all i would say it really hasn't changed all that much and sometimes i feel like there are films that try to hide the monstrosity uh, with a really pretty package you know we don't often have like the hideous crones like in the witches you know yeah like we'll have fatal attraction where she's like burning a bunny right but she's still like super stereotypically hot, and they're like ter- I, you can tell that Michael Douglas is like, "Don't take my wiener." <laughs> <laughs> that is a that's a very good <laughs> moment. <laughs> I'm never going to be able to watch that movie in the same way. Now. <laughs> He's definitely not he wanting his that. wiener to be stolen, but he does. <laughs> in some but ways. he does. <laughs> no, but more to the point, male audiences want to engage in that terror fantasy yeah the castration anxiety and the castration anxiety should be a band <laughs> i i would hope it already <laughs> is yeah um yeah just the, the the things they desire most that could destroy them i think we all like that because obviously like loving the witch and untamed feminine power could get us destroyed too so yeah. i think there's a bit of that wanting the forbidden you know but you've mentioned that any woman with sexual agency is going to be taboo. That's true. At That's any true. in era, any era, at any time. Yeah, I think so. Still, my that God, there's still yeah. states where you Completely. cannot legally have a vibrator. I know, Alabama, mind blowing. Still, you get know? out of here, Alabama. <sighs> Sorry for them. Can you have cock rings there? No. I think technically you can, I, but no I one's going to. If it gives pleasure to a woman, you can't right, have right. it. Yeah. Right. If it but causes I wonder if pain like, for a woman, maybe it's okay. Yeah. I if or irritates a, a woman or yes. just makes her feel unworthy. Right. Then you can definitely have it. <laughs> oh, my God. Callie and I, both reading your writing in anticipation of this interview, we were just discussing how you're a legit academic on this subject. You're not – it's not – your book is not a puff piece. And it, it has intellectual heft to it. Thank you. And yet – the subject matter is so compelling that we're like nom 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 nom. Yeah. We're like <laughs> munching on it like it's like the most delicious candy, but it's academically rigorous. That's like the best compliment I could get. <laughs> <laughs> so we're you know, we were just sort of marveling at the alchemy of witches, sluts, feminists, conjuring the sex positive, because even even the title, the beginning is like, and then the the subhead is like, ooh, ooh, how collegiate. I I think it reflects me as a person. I'm like an academic nerd on one hand, very uptight and by the book. On the other hand, I'm like a crazy party slut. So, nice. you know, and I always thought, oh, I have to pick one of these sides. And then, like, the goddess you showed me the way to integrate both into uh-huh. one, you know, package. And here it is. So, Kristen, yes. aside from the many feminist sex witches that we have discussed, in general, in the wider world of mm. pop culture, what you watching? Ooh, watching. I, speaking of sluts that I really love, 
um, and what I'm watching. <laughs> mm-hmm. I'm a, such a House of Cards nerd. I love it. And I'm from DC. I grew up in DC, so I also love political intrigue, uh-huh. especially when it's not like in the real world, because that's I, I'm over that. But yeah. like I like fake political intrigue. But I think Claire Underwood, boss ass is bitch, the ultimate slut, if not witch, because. She has wielded some things to go down. Who knows what's going to happen in the next season? Oh, my God. Oh, my God. There was one scene, no spoilers, in this season um, that involved... I, I went on and on in a previous episode about how she has a concubine in this season oh, yeah. and how it's so hot. There is a scene... Um, oh, Oh, that I know what you're talking about. <laughs> Where I I'm like, like I gotta watch she show. is a feminist sex witch. Oh, she went there. That's happening right now. And yeah. I know you know what I'm talking about. Oh, and yeah. If you've watched the whole season of House of Cards, know that there's feminist sex witchery happening in it. Now yeah. I'm going to have to watch House of Cards. It is sold. It is so powerful. And I think their relationship is a really sweet representation of non-monogamy. Yes. Like, even though they're, like, brutal, bloodthirsty, like, social climbing folks. Uh On the other hand, they have a lovely relationship. (laughs) (laughs) So that and um, the podcast, uh, Why Are People Into That? by Tina Horn. Uh She interviews all kinds of different folks about the extreme, um, often taboo things they're into. That sounds so good. Blood play to gangbangs to, you know, just regular old jerking off, you know? And she's like, why are people into that? Yeah. And then you just, like, tell her. <laughs> gangbang seems like so much work to me. Gangbang? Yeah. I I, I, I hate that. I, I couldn't. I mean, it just seems like too much to focus on that I wouldn't be able to enjoy anything. Oh, yeah. Like, just, I got my hands so many places, so much going on. I don't, but that's why I like watching gangbang porn because right. it's one thing that I know that I would never actually do because I'm too lazy. Yeah. Well, just it's a substitute. You know, you don't yeah. have to be doing it. You can just watch Which it. Is my whole theory on what people like in porn is that stuff that they usually wouldn't normally do. So that's why it's hot. Absolutely. And I would never want to deal with that many dudes. Yeah. And, <laughs> and, and dealing with the logistics, like all the emails, you know, yeah. or however you set it up. What is it like a group chat to like meet up? I can't even meet up with more than two friends for I know, dinner. Exactly. It's Let just too much. Like, do you get disinvited if someone's like, that guy sucks right? because he's, he's like always moving in too fast, taking my parking spot or whatever. Right. <laughs> <laughs> Um, let's see. What else am I watching? And that includes books and oh, yeah. movies, everything. I haven't been reading a lot because I just read so much for this book that I'm like, give my eyes a break. But <laughs> I'm get, I'm excited to like get into some juicy books. Oh, I'm really excited for this book, Literary Witches, which I was just asked to blurb. It's coming out in the fall. Um, and um, it sort of looks at all these different authors and um creatrixes and how physicians them as witches oh like from Emily that Dickinson sounds rad. to octavia butler to all different um famous creators of word that sounds awesome yeah so that's cool i'm i'm reading that now um yeah, I think I'm doing a lot of TV this summer. Sweet. <laughs> so I just, you gotta relax. Yeah. Netflix and chill. Yeah, exactly. That's that's where I'm at. Well, Kristen Soleil, author of Witches, Sluts, Feminists, Conjuring the Sex Positive. Your book is out. It's in the world. People can get it 
on the Amazon or they can get at their independent bookseller. Yes. They can ask for it by name. Please do. Fascinating. Or from my website. And I or thought from I your knew website, a lot. which is witchessslutsfeminist.com or sluttist.com. S-L-U-T-I-S-T. Loved it. Oh, I didn't we have a mutual friend, Josh. Yes. I didn't realize he uh helped coin the term sluttist. No, slutism. Ah, yes. Yes. So the philosophy of sluttist and slut life. I thought it was a cute little turn of phrase. So yeah, he's in the book. I love it. I was like, like the one shout or out two to the men homies. that I allowed to be. <laughs> Hopefully this year at Coney Island, we'll see someone with a slut life, Tupac belly tattoo. Oh my God, oh my that would God. be amazing. If sluttism really takes off. Yeah, maybe I I would love a tram stamp for my 40th birthday, so I could do that too. Slut oh, that would be great. <laughs> I think that's the time to do it. <laughs> Thank you so much for coming. Thank and so you. much us awesome. about your amazing book. When we come back, I'm going to ask Callie the perennial question, what, what you watching? This episode of Pop-Tarts was produced in the Listening Booth. Check out this sneak peek of their shows and then head to listeningboothmedia.com to find out more about each one. This is What's Happening Here. I'm Katie Shepard, your host, and this season... I'm Terrence Mickey, and welcome to Memory Motel. I'm Julia Bainbridge, and welcome to The Lonely Hour, which I'm producing in partnership with the Listening Booth. Good afternoon. Thank you for calling the New York Times Classifieds. Christine speaking. I may help you. Hi, my name is Terrence Mickey, and I'm calling to inquire about an obituary. What information were you looking for that I could possibly help you with? Okay. Now a grown woman with a supportive husband, Jillian is fine, but that comes after wading through years of pain and confusion. I had been wrestling with this because I knew in the pit of my stomach that my fetish is not caused by childhood trauma, but it felt like my own life contradicted that. Matt, who was a big talker, big personality, loved to be the center of attention, was running away from having to be vulnerable. I don't know. It's like whenever we have this, like, fights or something, whenever I talk about this, it's like I have a shield in my hand, and whenever this happens, I just put it up to protect myself. The Listening Booth. There's a story inside. And we're back. Hey. Hey. And as a special treat, Kristen is going to join us for What You Watching. Ow, ow. So <laughs> if you hear a, a special third voice chiming in, that's, that's Miss me. Soleil. It's the witch's Callie. <laughs> <laughs> what is it that your ass is watching? First, I would like to say that I almost sung the song Woman to Woman <laughs> to a girl the other day because it was just me. We were the only girls at this party. And... It was that kind of party? There was no toilet paper. It was just like a dinner thing. There's no toilet paper. I went in after her. The seat is covered in, in p- piss, like no. all over. And I didn't want to embarrass her, so I did not sing woman to woman to her. But I wanted to explain to her that you should lift the toilet seat up. If you're going to hover. If you're going to hover. <laughs> I feel like this is a PSA that needs to get out there. A PSA. A PSA. Can you explain to me why you would sing woman to woman at her? Because I wanted to talk to her woman to woman. Because I okay. didn't want the other dudes to know that she peed all over the seat. Uh-huh. I, I didn't know her that well. But I wanted to be like, we have to talk. <laughs> but I kept it together. <laughs> but I was really like, how am I going to not bring this up? Because every time she went to the bathroom, I was like, Also, there's paper towels in the kitchen, girl. Back to what I was watching. I got. <laughs>
Embarrassingly, I've been watching the show Younger. It's one of my favorite shows. Okay, then I don't have to be so embarrassed. I can't tell if I really like it or I hate it. I, I love don't it. think it's embarrassing. There's good acting and good writing on that show. I can't tell if I love it or I hate it. I'm so torn. I'm so, I love it so much. I've been Why watching do you it love the it, whole Kristen? time. Because it, it fulfills this fantasy, I think, about starting over and um, busting through these stereotypes about what age means. And yeah. I love the idea that this 40-year-old woman is like masquerading as like a 26-year-old. Yes. <laughs> I like to think that I don't look my age. So yeah. I'm like, yeah, I could do that. Easy. Yeah, exactly. And I, they really do deal with serious, you know, topics. And it's very literary. And yeah. Silly too, like I, I just think, and I like the love interest and how cheesy they make Williamsburg is amazing. Like, <laughs> yeah. Cheesy and like the tattoo, like the tattoo artist that oh, it's so. Yeah. But he is cute. He's cute, but I mean, like the tattoos are so fake, so and, fake. Like, yeah. And what is the girl? Who's the woman that plays the the roommate? I love oh, her. Wait, what is her? Um, Debbie Mazer. Debbie Mazer is yeah, so she makes the good. show with her like crazy threesomes and just like awesome queer. Is she still weirdo. friends with Madonna, or did that go away with? the 90s I bet she's still friends with Madonna along with um what's the Sandra Sandra Bernhardt Bernhardt. oh yeah yeah. it was such a crew I loved it (laughs) I would love to hang out with that crew yeah now I'm having friend envy (laughs) friend v friend v so okay so I've been watching that I mean I guess it's just not like I usually don't watch things that don't have more action and nobody dies right it's very it's light (laughs) yeah um can we discuss that Drake may be on the next season of Handmaid's Tale Whoa! What? Bring it. Yes. Wow. Where did you hear that? And I hope that it's true. <laughs> I read it on the internet, and um, the girl, the the somebody had suggested it or something, and whoever's producing it was like, "Yeah, I'm not opposed to it." I guess Drake reached out. I don't know. We got. He'll find be out. like, "You can't call me on my cell phone because you're a slave." <laughs> oh <my God>. <laughs> <laughs> Yikes. <laughs> asked me the other day if there were phones in The Handmaid's Tale and I couldn't remember because it's I a future dystopia thing. Like people who are powerful I believe had cell phones. Yeah because I couldn't remember at all if there were phones. That's interesting. I can't either. I'm sure Drake will have a phone. Yes. Drake <laughs> I hope he's, they take us back to that like sketchy club and he's like in the club. Who, who, I wonder who even was like you know what the show really needs? Drake. Drake. <laughs> That's super <laughs> weird, but oh man, awesome! You used to call me on my cell phone day night when you need my love. Oh, so then I also I watched The Boss with Melissa McCarthy. Uh huh. How'd that work out? I was waiting the entire time for the reveal, the joke of why she was hiding her neck the whole time. She wears turtlenecks or giant bows, and I was like. Maybe I missed the joke. Maybe it was when, the, when I was talking. Did they reveal it? No. I had to huh. Google it. Why? I Google, why is Melissa McCarthy <laughs> hiding her neck in the boss? And then everybody was like, Melissa McCarthy thinned down for the boss. I was like, Google, that is not what oh I asked. God. So then I had to read deep in a couple articles. She had a neck brace on. Oh, from an injury? Yeah, from an injury from a movie before. Now, why wouldn't oh, that be everywhere? Tell me. So every- she wasn't, it wasn't a character thing. It was a Melissa McCarthy thing. Yeah. Also, I'm going to give that movie a meh. A meh. Okay, it's a meh. Meh out of five. Yeah, I mean, it was, there were some funny parts, but I want to see her shine more all the time. 
Then I saw The Wizard of Lies. The Wizard of Lies, Bernie Madoff. Bernie Madoff, man. Oh, man. That was dark. That was, I felt so bad for Ruth, for his wife. And all her kids, like, abandoning her, kind of. Yeah. I felt so bad. I don't know if she knew. I don't think she knew. It makes it come off, well, if it made it come off that she knew she'd be in jail, too. And Michelle Pfeiffer was fantastic. So good in it. Um, I can't totally wrap my mind around the fact that you could cast Michelle Pfeiffer as Ruth Madoff. I know. But it worked. How is that even a thing? I, I believe that she's a great actor and she can make it work, but I just, like, that doesn't. I have some cognitive dissonance. <laughs> it's playing that. against type. Let's yeah. just say that because in my mind, she's always like fabulous Baker yes, boys yeah, on or a, Catwoman. Like, yeah, just out or Scarface <laughs> or Scarface. Yeah. yeah, it was weird watching that after the boss because the boss is like she just comes out of jail for illegal. Um, what was it that Martha went down for? Insider trading. Insider trading. So it was like I went from watching one rich person try to climb up to the top to a rich people just falling down. So there was that. I definitely think everyone should watch that. That was really good. I had so many feels for Ruth. Where are you, Ruth? What are you doing now? <laughs> you deserve better, Ruth. Oh, speaking of Martha Stewart. Yes. So Martha Stewart said the N-word. To, to s- whom and why? To Lil Yachty and Snoop Dogg and some whatever the other guests were. Did you read about this? Oh, my God. Ew. I was Shocked, but she Did said Snoop Dogg take her by the hand and say, "No, Mama, no." I haven't. I keep trying to find if Snoop, if Snoop has like made a statement about it yet. So what's happening is they're all around the table and uh, doing the cooking show, Snoop and Martha's dinner, potluck dinner, or whatever. And little Yachty's on, and they couldn't get the cover album cover cleared to show it. And Snoop keeps going, "Where's this in words stuff?" And he meant like the album cover and he's like throwing a fit or whatever and then Martha leans over because he doesn't drink or smoke and Martha was like babying him I guess little Yachty and she goes does it bother you when he says inward stuff but she used the full word and the audience apparently was like whoa Martha that's not the same as just casually dropping it well, it's like she meant well, I think, but you should yeah. still never say the full word. I know. But she I, probably I got... Think... Yeah. It's not okay. like Bill Marlowe. I'm trying to imagine, like, yeah, <laughs> it was more of, like, I feel like she the intention was good, but now she's going to get the flack. And I'm so curious as to what Snoop did and, and how he's going to deal with it. There's going to be some fallout for sure. All right. We'll, we'll wait and see. I could understand how something like that would happen. Right. It wasn't like she was just like high-fiving and said, what <laughs> up? Okay. I was <laughs> dropping know? M-bombs like, all the yeah. <laughs> I was like, oh my God, Martha. Um, oh, and because I Googled Martha because I was watching this show, um, The Match Game. Martha Stewart was on. And she is the worst. I don't think she understood how this game... I mean, she was charming and hilarious. But I don't think she understood that you were trying to say something that the other people would guess. Uh-huh. So she's just throwing out Martha-isms. You know, it's like something that you need in the kitchen. And she's like, uh, you know, some like random egg beater, ridiculous object. <laughs> a sous machine. Yeah, and people were like, what, Martha? And then there was like a question about Clue. So they were like, you're in the... You're, uh, it was like Colonel Muscle's having sex with so-and-so in the kitchen. What are they using? And Martha was like, Probably with a candlestick if I had known about that, but, <laughs> but, you did but it with a I, I did it with a hot dog. A hot dog. Martha. 
She's just all kinds of. She was all over the place, but she was so hilarious. She was amazing. I would watch any match game that she was on. I really think that RuPaul is responsible for the match game coming back because they always do match game. Yeah. Maybe, but it was definitely worth a watch. It got really filthy. It was ridiculous. And then I saw Party Legends. You know, have you seen that Vice show, Party Legends, where it's like they talk to a famous, like, party person. And have them tell a story, and then they illustrate it. Oh, cool. So the the most recent one is so fucking funny. So it's, like, animated? Yeah. Um, There was this one where Ninja of Die Antwoord um, goes over to Kanye West's house. Oh, I saw that! And they play basketball with Drake. I totally saw that on, like, Facebook or something random. Yeah, and then Kim Kardashian makes some banana pudding. Kanye just keeps asking everybody if they want some banana pudding. I would totally eat Kim Kardashian's banana totally pudding. said it was really good. But then after they hung out, like, Kanye would not stop calling him and he had to block Kanye's Wait, number. What? <laughs> that show is really good. You should definitely watch all those. So I'm doing a Trump binding, witchy Trump binding, um, next weekend on Friday. And we're doing it at the Nancy Kerrigan Tanya Harding Museum. Yay! What? There is such a thing? In two girls' house. It's no, there. it's a girl and a, a guy. Oh, it is? It's in their fucking house, man. In New York. Yes. But I thought that they changed the exhibit to a Kim Cattrall exhibit. Is it? It's still the Nancy Kerrigan uh, Tanya Harding Museum, but they have a rotating exhibit that comes in. Now that one isn't Kim Cattrall, it's something else from the it's something really ridiculous i'm telling you it's yama kipiebo which is like some scatting that kim cattrall did because i (laughs) I remember that but on the dirt cast talking about it but they've rotated it they rotated it again yeah it's a different one now that's always something really random i gotta go to this place so i was telling uh, i was really excited about it and my husband camilla was like who are these people? Because he's from Chile. And then he started, he was watching the videos. He was like, this is insane. What is this? And like the video where she gets her knees hit and she's like, why me? So I got sucked into a world of Nancy Kerrigan, Tanya Harding. Um, There's a metal cover band. There's a musical. Whoa. There's a lot going on in that world. There's like a crazy musical where people are like falling from the sky, doing trapeze. (laughs) It was amazing. So that's been what I've been watching. My friend actually wrote a, uh, d- created a comic book based on Tanya's inner life, like dealing Ooh. with her like abusive past and boyfriend. There is a lot that. there. There is it's a lot. Not- you know, she rescued somebody that was cho- choking, I believe. I don't Later in her life. There you go. She yeah. saved a life. <laughs> so Katie Skelly's Tanya cartoon comic. Sorry. I will check that out. I it's hope really it reads... Good. Jeff Galuli to filth because it was really all him. Yeah, it definitely does. Yeah. Okay. It's oh, humanizing very much. So. Speaking of the Trump um, binding that I'm going to do, I put a I pulled a section from your book that I'm going to read at the binding. Yes. Because the the witch organization, uh-huh. which is like a old 1970s political group. Right. And they had um, this chant that goes, double bubble war, war and rubble. When you mess with women, you're, you'll be in trouble. We're convicted of murder. If abortion is planned, convicted of shame if we don't have a man, convicted of conspiracy if we fight for our rights, and burned at the stake when we stand up to fight. I think that's going to be perfect for the binding. Perfect. Oh, I'm so excited. That that's I wish I had play. seen it. I could have had time to order it. I think it, all these binding spells are working because shit's going down. Shit is going down. There's a Trump binding candle. Have you seen it? No. And it looks like Trump and he's just like all tied up. I think I'm going to order it. Nice. <laughs> what you watching? Okay. So... Over the 4th of July weekend, 
I finished up all kind of Netflix series. I finished up House of Cards. I finished up Glow. I finished up Orange is the New Black. And I was like, Emily Rems, I said to myself, (laughs) this is a great time to be alive. (laughs) There are amazing women in pop culture and you are here to experience it. And don't take this for granted because it used to be just you watching different strokes every day after school. Yeah. (laughs) No Tito Shane on Willis and Arnold, but... Things have gotten a lot better since then. That's what I'm trying to say. Now that all of those uh, shows are now in my past, as I'm waiting <laughs> for them to return, um, I love ghosty shows. There's yes. so oh, many ghost too. hunting shows. I'm talking about like faux documentary ghost yeah. hunting shows. And a lot of them are just like absolute garbage. And they can also be very boring because it's just like night vision green cameras and people, <laughs> you just sort of hear people go, <sighs> Did you hear that? Did you hear that? Oh my God. And you can't even see it and you can't even that hear it. Exactly you just have to take happens. their word for it. And it's like an hour of that. But <laughs> my boyfriend, Logan, found two excellent ghost hunting shows that I've never seen before. I watched so many of them. Here they are. The first one is called Ghosts in the Hood. Have you heard of it? What? what? Okay. <laughs> it originally aired on Wii TV. And now I was watching it on YouTube. And so there's members of this ghost hunting group called the official the official paranormal operations team OPO, and they're led by this dude named Deficio Stoglin. Whoa, who, that's a name. Who rocks a different velour tracksuit in every episode, <laughs> and they have this broke down Winnebago type situation. And then there's like an, a woman of Asiatic heritage who is a medium, and then there's um, a a dude of I think he's like a a Latino gentleman who like makes different gadgets to help fight ghosts and they're all very low tech and then there's like a woman whose whole job is to sort of like google a place and find out if anybody ever died there and then (laughs) Deficio just has like this cousin who has literally no talent except for the fact that he's a comedian and he's really scared of ghosts. Oh and my so God, that's they hilarious. just bring him to haunted places and make, and like turn out the lights and make him sit there and then like watch him get scared. That sounds amazing. So like they go to Compton, they go to South Central, like they're all over downtown in East LA with their broke down Winnebago. And the thing that I find so fascinating is that I've watched literally hundreds of ghosty shows 99% of people with ghosts are white people who have bought giant houses that they're rattling around <laughs> so in and they're like, I feel like that I is bought so- this fixer upper <laughs> and it's so haunted. I'm afraid I may lose my investment. And I was like, wow, like only rich white people get haunted, but you can tell in Ghosts in the Hood that it's not so. There are people of color who get haunted also, and Deficio and the OPO team are there, and they're not like super like reverent about how they take care of the issues. Like a lot of times they'll like in regular ghosty shows, they'll be like, we contacted a shaman and he he saged my home and it smelled delightful. (laughs) So like, for example, Deficio and the team, they go to a haunted pinata factory in (laughs) South Central. And there's like this dude who has like giant gang tattoos like all over his head and face and he and his like girlfriend have this like they have this haunted pinata factor and they're like yeah man it's haunted (laughs) 
And so they like spend all night there. And then the girl who Googles the address, she's like, well, this is the neighborhood of the Grim Sleeper. I don't know if you remember, there was that serial killer. He killed so many women of color in Los Angeles. And like a big reason why he killed so many women and got away with it for so long was that like nobody was reporting these women missing. Ah. And he was just like killing sex workers and, mm. and women who were just sort of like on the fringes. And he killed like so many, like it's possibly in the hundreds. Like they wow. haven't even Whoa. totally determined how many women he's killed. How did he get the name Grim Sleeper? I'm trying to remember how they got, it was like, I think he like, I'll have to double check, but I think it may have been like there, he would have, like women would come over to his home and like under like the guise of like maybe some kind of a romantic encounter and then he would kill them in their sleep or something. Uh, okay. But um, so that was in his neighborhood and they were like, we think that one of the victims of the Grim Sleeper is still hiding from him in the pinata factory. And I was like, really? It's not even like his house. It's just his <laughs> neighborhood. And like Los Angeles is like kind of a big neighborhood. But anyway, so they're... <laughs> like, I was like, are you guys going to, like, help her towards the light? Or, like, what are you going to do? No. Their solution was to make a Grim Sleeper pinata. A pinata that looked like the serial killer. And hang it in <laughs> the pinata factory so that the ghost of the girl hiding from the Grim Sleeper would find somewhere else to hide from him that wasn't there. And I was like, that's not really taking her feelings, her ghosty feelings into account. But, like, that's the kind of, like crazy solutions that they come up with for haunting problems so I it need is to watch this totally different from your typical ghost show and it is funny and so weird i'm totally into this so uh ghost in the hood um i watched a film that's out now called the little hours ah. which um by the way Kristen involves Feminist sex witchery. What? Okay, I gotta write this down. I'm not gonna give any spoilers as to how or why, but it does, in a very satisfying and hilarious way, involve uh, feminist sex witchery. It is hilarious. It, it I, is I saw the clothes. It look it looks a good. comedy with an unbelievable cast: Allison Brie, Dave Franco, Kate Micucci, who's like half of Garfunkel Notes. Aubrey Plaza, John C. Riley, Molly Shannon, Fred Armisen, Jemima Kirk, Nick Offerman. They're all in this movie. And it's an adaptation of one of the books of the Decameron, which is like a 14th century novella that was all Mm -hmm. about like Italian, uh, like just sort of Florentine daily life. And this is back in a time when when women if their fathers didn't have enough for their dowry or whatever, they would just ship them off to nunneries. It was like this holding pattern for women who like literally did not own their own lives and bodies. So the whole movie takes place in this nunnery full of women who like are not at all interested in being nuns. Oh, well. So it's basically like medieval nuns gone wild. That sounds amazing. Yeah. It's so funny. It's out now. It's called The Little Hours. It's like one of these little indie films that like everybody should watch because it's just pure pleasure. It's so funny. And that cast is insane. Yeah. Yeah. It's really good. I'm Jezebel's Dirt Cast podcast. Their most recent one is all about, well, not all about, but their first segment was about this whole controversy with Lena Dunham and her dog. Oh, yeah. Everybody and that dog. Like, I was shocked how many news agencies are actually piling onto this and how big it's getting. Like, meanwhile, 
Donald Trump Jr. is like treason, la 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 la. Yeah. But everyone's like so concerned about Lena Dunham's dog, Lammy. She had this dog for four years. It bit her, it bit her dad. It like kept peeing in its own mouth and freaking out. Oh my God, how do you and even pull that off? So she finally rehomed, she sent the dog to a Zen dog center in California. And then he- there he was rehomed to like a woman who can take care of that dog's special needs. And people are freaking out about it. And like the whole episode, they were talking about it. There was, people were weighing in from Bark, which is the animal shelter where she where she rescued the dog from. And she was saying that the dog was acting out because it was totally traumatized. And they were like, that's not true. That dog was never traumatized. <laughs> and they're going back and forth on social media about Lammy and whether or not the dog started out traumatized or if she traumatized her, if the dog was never traumatized. And then there's, there was actually conservative critics who were saying that the whole story that she was giving about her dog being traumatized, traumatized was evidence that she lied about being raped in her memoir. Like men's rights activists were getting in there. (laughs) The New York times, like were asking someone from the humane society, what they thought about what she did with rehoming her dog and the humane society said they thought she did the right thing. Like how and why are we living in a world? Because people love to hate Lena Dunham. Is this anti-feminist backlash? Is it because we're too obsessed with dogs on Instagram? Is it because it's the summer and we're bored and there's not enough on TV? Why is this happening? I feel like this would happen if it was a Kardashian too. She didn't hurt the dog. She rehomed the dog. Yeah, but I mean, I feel like if it's if it's something that would make people feel like, oh, she sucked at this. Let's go poke it. Because people love to hate those people. Mm-hmm. I hate when people just hate on the Kardashians for the sake of hating on the Kardashians. People love to be outraged in general. Yeah. It's like the outrage machine, you know? Yeah. I mean, the, Card- the Jenner, the, the little baby Jenners do fuck up a lot, but like, you know, don't just hate someone just because their name was stuck to something. Also, I think she did the right thing. Get the dog out of there. If she's the dog, not able to take if, care yeah, of that the dog. dog. If the dog is not responding to you in a good way, you're not giving something that the dog needs. That's like an unhealthy relationship. You got to break up. Man, I was floored by the amount of the, the press circus that That's erupted. Some misdirected energy there. Yeah. I agree. <laughs> I agree. So that, my friends, is what I've been watching. Well, this was lovely. Thank this you so great. much. Thank you so much, Kristen. That was awesome to join you. Thank and you. thanks so much to our producer, Rachel Withers, and our pals at the listening booth, Terrence, Katie, and Chris, and our girl gang at Bus Magazine. You can find me on Twitter at Emily Rems. You can email both Callie and I. I'm at emilyrems at bus.com. Callie W at bus.com. And you can catch all of our amazing magazinerial hijinks on bus.com. And finally, please rate and review this podcast on iTunes. Buy Kristen's book. And buy Kristen's book, which is Sluts, Feminists, Conjuring the Sex Positive. Yes. That's it. Mwah. Mwah.